Welcome back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Kevin Bowen, live from um, the comfort of my basement as we get a remodeled bathroom and my wife diligently works. Giving you a little break of uh, the chaos that is the reality right now around coronavirus. I appreciate everyone tuning in. I would say, really, in last both of last week's podcast, um, the Philip Rivers and the DeForest Buckner one. I, I, that's probably the most I've heard from people um, just reaching out saying, you know, thank you for giving us a break um, through all of this and just keeping the content up, which, you know, thank the NFL certainly for, for, uh, for providing that. And I love it as well. You know, certainly this is, I, I'm doing what I love from a job standpoint and it gives me a break as well. So I'm glad all of you are enjoying it. And uh, if the podcast is your only means, then I appreciate that. But if you want to, Check out 1075thefan.com as well. We've got gobs and gobs of written content up there on the site. Um, we uh, changed the site a few weeks ago, the mobile site as well. So uh, if you haven't, head over there and uh, check out some of our written content. Pretty much post two to three articles per day that is new um, over there on the site. So appreciate you all tuning in. And uh, today's podcast, again, it'll, it'll just be me. I'm not... Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going into the studio or anything like that. We, we will have a new producer at some point uh, for Kevin's Corner. But as we are on a stay at home, I believe is what Governor Eric Holcomb addressed the state of Indiana with yesterday. So we're, uh, we're trying to abide by that. And Lord knows I'm not a very essential worker. So um, that's why I'm in the basement of my own house. Today's podcast, though, we'll go over just kind of general free agency thoughts as now we get into week two. I, I want to hit on the Pierre Desir stuff, um, just kind of the offensive line depth a little bit as well. Those seem to be kind of the two newest storylines, um, definitely new information and just new thoughts on Phillip Rivers and DeForest Buckner that I'll touch on as well. Uh, the quarterback cap situation is very interesting to me now as the Colts you know, get into the week of free agency where I think we're used to Chris Ballard being a little bit more active. Um, so that is something that um, I will touch on, and then uh, Tom Brady. How about that news? Peter King having that yesterday, saying the Tom Brady camp was interested in Indianapolis. I can't see Giselle in Indy, um, but yeah, that was a um, that was quite the little news item on a Monday morning. Some curiosity for sure. So I will touch on that, and then a lot of Twitter questions. I didn't ask for Twitter questions again. Like I was saying earlier, you guys have just been sending tons and tons of Twitter questions to me in the DMs. So uh, I've got about 20 or 25 that I will hit on later in the show. But let's start here, just kind of overall thoughts so far um, with free agency. And, and I would say that something that I feel like has been a takeaway through about a week, that while the quantity of free agents hasn't necessarily been there, it has been this quality and that's something I think that we, we, we tried to hint at in podcast in you know, late January throughout February as well of I expected Chris Ballard to spend and I expected him to alter his philosophy a little bit. And I think in general, we are seeing that. We're seeing it with Buckner. We're seeing it with Rivers. We're seeing it even with the Pierre to Seer move. And I guess with Buckner, it, it, and I, I don't want people to think that like there are two sides of this. Like I like the Buckner move, but at the same time, we can acknowledge that Chris Ballard is doing something he has never really done before. This is the first time he's ever traded a draft pick for a player. And I mean, this is a guy that 
you know, he loves draft picks more than I love my wife and Tiger Woods and Notre Dame basketball and bacon all in one. I mean, he literally worships draft picks, loves them. And he gave up number 13 overall. That is a very rare move for him to go down that road. Uh, now you're getting a, an all pro caliber player that's 26 years old and is at a huge position of need for this roster. So I understand it. But again, we can also acknowledge just the uniqueness for Chris Ballard to make such a move. And then you go to Rivers and you're handing a one-year bridge quarterback $25 million. I mean, none of that goes with what we're used to from Chris Ballard as well when he talks about you know, long-term view and sustained success and, you know, no shortcuts and building from within and homegrown talent, all those things. So again, those moves are, are different for sure. And then the cutting of Pierre Desir, I think is a surprise. Um, and to me, that is different from what we're used to in Ballard because, you know, he's such a staunch believer in the high character aspect of these things and you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy that has higher character than Peter Desir inside of that locker room. You know, the, the, it's, it's just the nature of the business. But, I mean, how much is it just a kick in the you-know-what that, you know, the day before Pierre Desir is, you know, putting together 20,000 meals in the city of St. Louis for people that, you know, can't get out of their house right now in this quarantine and showing why he was Walter Payton man of the year, the Colts nominee for that this past season. And yet even those contract hit isn't too immense. I mean, 6.8 million to me right now, as we sit here on Tuesday morning, I mean, Colts have about 30 million in cap space. Like, did they really need 6.8 more? Was that an absolute must for a major position of need? That is corner. That's where it is a head scratch. I mean, I will certainly acknowledge Pierre Desir had a down year last season and injuries, I think, played into it. But I think we have to look at with Pierre as well as like, don't just sit here and be like, oh, you've got Kenny Moore. You're good. Marvell Tell, Rocky Yassine. I don't think Marvell Tell and Rocky Yassine are slam dunks by any means. And when Kenny Moore is at his best and, and really – at his best from a fit with this defense, because you guys know full well, I, I love Kenny Moore and just how good of a player he is. But when he is playing at his highest and where the Colts need him the most, it's at the nickel slot. Well, that that's not what Pierre Desir is. Pierre Desir is your 6'1", 6'2", longer outside corner. We saw what he did against DeAndre Hopkins. We saw what he did against Amari Cooper. Um, that body type is just a little bit different. So it's not like, oh, no, Kenny Moore is your best corner. Well, yeah, Kenny Moore is your best corner, but he's best in the nickel slot role. He's not your 6'1", 6'2", long outside corner that we've seen in the shadow role like Desir's been used in years past. Um, and, and I just don't love the depth of that group right now. I mean, you've got four guys, four, that have played snaps for you. They're all under the age of 24. Rocky Scene, Marvell Tell, Kenny Moore and, and Quincy Wilson. And I mean, for everyone that's like, all right, trade Quincy Wilson. You, you, you almost can't right now. I mean, you would love to trade him, I guess, for a draft pick in, in an ideal world if you had proper depth. But now you almost can't part ways with them. And there are some corners still out there. 
on the free agent market. Um, I tend to side with more of a veteran thing than a than a draft route there at corner. Just with Desir was a 29 year old guy that I think led that group pretty well. But I mean, you could tell he was blindsided by it. You know, certainly Kenny Moore. I mean, Kenny Moore was very, um, you know, I, I thought was pretty vocal on on social media, indicating just how surprised he was by this move he he retweeted the pro football focus account that mentioned I want to say Desir was like the 19th ranked corner last year in the NFL Um, now he did give up his highest completion percentage I think since 2015 so again they were it was a step back but I just thought playing through the hamstring injury him getting fully healthy you know to me it wasn't like Eric Ebron where you can throw out that he quit on his football team. I don't think Pierre Desir did any of that. So I, I was I was surprised, you know, just a year after he gets the three-year extension, you decide to cut him when, again, $6.8 million to me for an outside corner that is proven, that's not a whole lot to me. Now, certainly this move sends a clear message to Rocky Seen and Marvell Tell. Like, we, we believe. I love that we believe uh, USA soccer chant. It's a great, great song. Shame that the Olympics are being delayed. I, I, I feel for those, just feel all for those athletes. Train four years for it, and boom, all of a sudden delayed. Um, getting back to Rock and Marvell, you know, it is something to where we've seen Ballard do this a little bit, you know, not drafting a defensive lineman very early last year. Because if, if you recall, Banigou was a linebacker first. That was a message to Kamoko Terry and Tyquan Lewis. Well, in a way, this is a message to Rock Yassine and Marvell Tell. Um, you know, I, I guess I go back to the Ballard quote of a reason why I felt like he would spend a little bit and do things differently. He has done things differently this offseason, without a doubt, without question, he has done things differently. And you go back to the quote that he said to his team in the Colts Amphitheater, they go 7-9, and nine. the Monday after the season ends, it's locker room clean out. Ballard looks at those guys and says, and is very honest with them, when seasons like this happen, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, when seasons like this happen, change occurs. Well, shit, I mean, boom, here's $25 million to a one-year quarterback. Here's the trading of a 13th overall pick, and here's cutting of one of the more well-liked professionals at a position that you don't have a lot of proven depth at. That's change. Again, it's more of kind of high-end quality change, not so much like quantity of sheer numbers like the 2017 offseason where he signed 11 free agents. But again, it is still notable um, some of the moves. And I guess lastly on Pierre Desir, and obviously he, he joins the Jets where Rex Hogan, who was, I think, second in line, I want to say, in their personnel group was under Chris Ballard here in Indianapolis. And they have so many ex-Colts. Nate Hairston, Matthias Farley, Henry Anderson, Terrell Basham, Josh Andrews. Probably forgetting a couple, but they have a ton of ex-Colts. When I saw this move, I'm thinking, oh, wow, they're creating cap space to sign <laughs> insert name. Jadavian Clowney was probably the first name that I thought of, but that's what, and now we're a few days into it and, you know, Clowney's still on the open market. And I do think there is some interest there, but it's kind of like, okay, why is, why is, why are you in a dire cap situation? 
I don't really think you are. So that's why I was a little bit confused um, by that. Now, from an offensive line depth standpoint, I do think when you look at that position, that is a massive need in my mind as the rest of the offseason unfolds. And, you know, it's something that I, I tried to mention at times over the past few weeks and months, and I know that probably um, uh, gobs of you are not clicking on a Joe Haig free agency preview or a Josh Andrews free agency preview, which I get I and I understand. I'm still going to write it, though, um, because <laughs> you're, you're one injury away from those guys meaning a lot. And I wanted to make sure that I crunched a few numbers on this, so bear with me here. But I just wanted to stress how important offensive line depth is and how rare and unique the Colts situation on their offensive line was last year. So obviously you guys all know, five starters every single game, the same five starters every single game last year for the Colts. Unheard of. The Colts had no other offensive linemen play more than six percent of the offensive snaps last year. Joe Haig played like four a game. That was the most. And again, those are like jumbo packages, uh, Quentin Nelson at fullback packages, like those sorts of things. Let's take San Francisco and Kansas City, the two teams playing for for it all. All right, their offensive line had obviously five starters. But then San Francisco had another offensive lineman. So their six offensive linemen played 40% of snaps throughout the season. They had a seventh offensive lineman play 22%. Look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs' six offensive linemen played 44%. They had a seventh offensive lineman play 26%. They had an eighth offensive lineman play 20%. Everyone for the Colts, all five of their starters played 94% or higher. So when you look at those numbers, San Francisco, a six guy is playing, you know, two-fifths of a season. A seventh guy is playing a fifth of the season. I mean, a fifth of the season, that's what? That, that, that's more than three games. And the Chiefs had even more than that. They had an extra guy that you would throw it into the mix with their injury situation that they had up front this season. And the Colts had no one outside of their starting five play more than 6%. The Super Bowl teams had five guys play at least 20% outside of their normal starting group. I'm going to write an article on this next week, but it was just it's something that I wanted to mention of. Now you look at the Colts right, right now here in 2020, and that as we record this, the Colts came into the offseason, they knew their starting five obviously, from an offensive line standpoint. But six, seven, eight, Joe Haig, Josh Andrews, and LaRaven Clark, all of them are free agents. Well, Joe Haig knows he's not getting a starting job here, so he goes elsewhere. Fine, no issue. The Colts wanted to bring Joe Haig back. Let's not, like, let's not, you know, lose sight of that. This was not a, hey, we want LaRaven Clark over Joe Haig. No, 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 no. That is not that at all. It is Joe Haig saying, and Joe Haig's agent saying, Joe, You've been a quality reserve for four seasons as a fifth-round draft pick. Go be a starter in Tampa Bay for a year. That's a prove-it contract. You're 26, 27 years old. If you have a good season, 
Now you're getting a three or four year starter type money next offseason, and that's your big contract in the NFL. I got no issue with that. No issue with that. And to Josh Andrews, a little bit similar. Josh Andrews was your top interior guy last year. Same thing. Where is he going to fit in this interior of your offensive line? He goes to the Jets. There's probably a chance to compete for a starting job there. And boom, he can try to tap into that. So this was not a, no, 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 we want Clark over Haig or Andrews. No, that is not that at all. Now Clark is back, um, which whatever, I'm fine with. Like you just yeah, At this point, you need some bodies. And in the interior right now, you have a couple of bodies. You have Jake Eldrin Camp, who was on your practice squad all last year, who you bumped up late in the year. And then uh, Javon Patterson, seventh-round pick out of Ole Miss, who tore his ACL last spring. So there's a couple of guys in the interior. On the exterior, if you will, or the outside at, at tackle, Oh boy, it's you know it's Clark and that's about it. You know there are a couple journeyman tackles that are on your ninety-man roster, but that's really it. You know Jackson Barton, the seventh-round pick from last year. The Chiefs again with their offensive line issues, they signed him off your practice squad. He's over there, and obviously Joe Haig was your swing tackle last year, and he's now in Tampa Bay. So I just want again. <laughs> None of you are going to click on it, which whatever, you, you guys are busy, but hell, everyone's trapped in their house. Maybe click on an offensive line article or two while you're, while you're bored. It means a lot, and it means a hell of a lot when Phillip Rivers is your quarterback. So if you have normal, normal offensive line health, i.e. the 49ers or the Chiefs last year, who overcame that, you're going to need a guy that's going to play potentially what, six games, seven games, and another guy that's going to play three or four games. That's quite a lot. And so I think that's why you look at number six and number seven in your depth spots on your O-line, and that is still a need for this football team moving forward. All right, Jacoby Brissett, he, he, he's, um, he's currently the backup, folks. Um, haven't seen a trade, haven't seen a release right now. He would be due 8.8, or excuse me, you would save 8.8 million in cap savings if you released him, no matter when you do it the rest of the offseason. There's no hard date now, post June 1, any of that stuff. If you traded him, 15.8 million in cap savings. So at this point, to be honest with you, unless you get into a major cap situation, slash you draft a quarterback really, really high, I almost think the Colts are going to keep Jacoby Brissett on their roster through at least training camp. Which might sound crazy to some people, but like, if you really needed the cap money, this is the time you would need it. Wouldn't you have already made a move now? And you have no idea how the draft is going to unfold. You're in a much less predictable stance. I mean, hell, you could argue you're you're never in a very predictable situation come draft time, but 34 is different than 13. I think at this point, you almost keep Brissett, at, at least through training camp. Now, I, you know, I probably would have parted ways with them, but I'm trying to look at it from a Colts standpoint and what they are thinking. And um, I see them writing it out, unless they're going to make some significant move here, extend several guys, which again, in-house, outside of Ryan Kelly, I, I just don't know what you do there. 
Um, so, yeah, the Colts have the largest uh, cap hit in the NFL at, at the quarterback position. Rivers, $25 million. That is the fifth highest. Jacoby Brissett's cap hit currently is $21 million. That is the 14th highest. 14th highest for a guy to potentially hold the clipboard all year. And while Phillip Rivers is 38, the dude hasn't missed a start. The dude's crazy. Phillip Rivers is crazy. A good crazy. But he doesn't miss he doesn't miss action. So um that to me is an issue that it stems from the Andrew Luck retirement that you're in this cap situation, but obviously the Brissett extension you gave him last year, which at the time I was kind of like, well, you're backed into a corner. You know, Jacoby Brissett's representing himself, and it's kind of like, look, I'm your starter. Pay me as a starter. And the Colts were kind of like, well, yeah, we got to. You know, we're in a no-win situation here of like, no, dude, we're not. We're going to keep you paying you how much. I mean, that's just not the right message, I think, to send two weeks before the season starts when your you know, franchise quarterback has just retired. So wh- where I have a concern right now is, okay, you have the largest quarterback hit in the NFL. Well, if your quarterback is Mahomes or Rodgers or Russell Wilson, <laughs> I can get behind that. But when your quarterback is Jacoby Brissett, who you just have admitted is not your starter, and then your other quarterback is a 38-year-old guy you've signed to a one-year deal, that's where I have an issue with this situation. None of these guys are your answers moving forward. None of them are even under contract past this season. So that's where you look at the largest cap hit in the NFL here at quarterback in 2020. Would you Do you even call Rivers a top-10 quarterback in the league right now? I mean, you, you definitely don't call him top five with how he played last year. But that's the issue that I have. In an ideal world, I think you would go to Brissett and say, hey, can we rework this deal? Brissett might tell you to whatever, but I, I, I don't know how all that plays out. And again, this stems from the Andrew Luck situation. I don't know if you guys saw Andrew Luck's uncle. Um just got named the new CEO of U.S. Soccer, Will uh, Will Wilson. Some of you might not care. Some of you might be obsessed with that. Um, man, I hope U.S. Soccer becomes good one day. Men's soccer, obviously, the women are dominant, but I'd love to see that. Uh, but Will Wilson, yeah, CEO of U.S. Soccer. Wonder if Andrew will get a job there. Interesting move. But you would think, obviously, if Andrew was going to keep on playing football, that maybe Will Wilson wouldn't take on such a big job. He was part of the Wasserman agency. I think Andrew was his only football client. So, I, you know, I, I get what Ballard has done at quarterback, but, you know, do you look at Brissett and be like, all right, we have a final answer here. And if we draft a quarterback in the second, third, whatever round, that can be your backup. That's how I kind of look of this situation and how I would probably handle it. I think, you know, even if you draft a third rounder, you aren't necessarily saying like that guy is your quarterback of the future. That guy could very well be your backup of the future. Some people might be like, whoa, 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 wasting a third round pick on a backup quarterback. 
you got to look at it a little bit from Chris Ballard's eyes. And I think in general, you have to look at it from just throwing darts at a dartboard. And in a way, that's almost like what drafting a quarterback can feel like. And do you want to throw more, more darts or do you want to throw quality darts? You want to throw five crummy darts or do you want to throw two really quality darts? Because right now the Colts don't have those quality darts anymore. Maybe they can trade up. Maybe they make a huge trade up in 2021 if they win nine or ten games this season. But now it's almost like, are you in more of the quantity range with those darts? And if your backup quarterback is a third-round pick, I don't think that's the end of the world because that's still a very favorable contract situation compared to the money you're paying Jacoby Brissett right now to be your backup. So again, I mean, as of now, unless you're going to make a huge move, I, I just feel like I feel like Jacoby's going to be the backup. Um, yeah, which might frighten some people with with that amount of money, but I, I and I don't know how does Jacoby react to all of this. I think that's a fascinating scenario that we'll we'll, we'll never know, but you know, talk about a weird relationship he's lived with the Colts and. He's a free agent next year. You know, if the Colts want to try and bring him back and then boom, a month later, they draft a quarterback in the first round of the 2021 draft. Well, now Brissett's like, my chance of, you know, ever being a full-time starter is virtually gone. So, yeah, we'll see how all that plays out, but um, I don't expect a major finality to it very soon at all. Um all right, a couple notes on Philip Rivers, DeForest Buckner. Um, I just posted something on 1075thefan.com, and I actually think you guys will click on it because it involves a quarterback. But um, I broke down six major points of how different the playing style will be at quarterback this year from Rivers versus Brissett last year. And I thought this Frank Wright quote, which he gave to Andrew Walker from Colts.com. Shout out to Andrew Walker, um, a new baby girl. Um, I believe Lennon is her name. So two baby girls for um, or two young girls for uh, Andrew Walker. Shout out to him. Tremendous, tremendous work over at Colts.com. Um, Frank Reich said this about Rivers. As a player, he has unique abilities. You're going to see a mix, uh, excuse me, you're going to see a good mix of a vertical pass game with a get it out of your hand quick ability. He knows how to work the crowd, work the game, much like Peyton Manning did in that no-huddle offense. That was some of our experience together when we worked together before. How about that? No-huddle offense? Woo-hoo! You got some fans that are just salivating hearing that. But again, quicker rhythm, vertical passing game. You know, those are big elements that I think you will see a difference um, from playing style. Again, you're going to see a less mobile quarterback. You're going to see a quarterback that takes a little bit more risks. That's a good and a bad. Um, so I think those are things that, you know, to hearing them from, from Reich, it makes total sense. Because that's what we think, but again, hearing it from the man who had a huge say in making this decision, it just goes to show you some of the differences that the Colts like or were looking for um, in, in making this change at, uh, at quarterback. 
Uh, I'm sure you guys have been listening to Philip Rivers. We had a conference call with him over the weekend. I know he's on JMV yesterday, and DeForest Buckner was on Dan Dockett's show on Friday. I encourage you to find both those interviews. Uh, R- Rivers is just just a hilarious interview. Um, he just talks and talks. Uh, he mentioned how he's only attended one Super Bowl in his career, um, which you can insert maybe a, a, a joke here about his resume not having that. But the only Super Bowl week he's ever been to, he said, was in was in Indianapolis. 2012 and you love the movie Hoosiers so much he went over to Knightstown went to the gym that they filmed Hoosiers in um he said he went to the state finals in in uh high school football here over Thanksgiving weekend one year which I actually meant to ask my brother-in-law if he was um if it would have been his year but uh yeah he said he went to the state finals game with Jacob Hester the Colts were playing the Chargers on a Sunday in late November, and um, yeah, Philip Rivers decided to come to the IHSA State Finals for uh, football over at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, I, I totally forgot this. He actually played in Bloomington against Indiana as a freshman in college. This is how old Philip Rivers was. Is, I should say. Philip Rivers played at IU in the year 2000. Threw five touchdowns and 400 yards. I don't think that shocks anybody that IU's defense gave up that. But uh, IU almost won that game. Uh, but again, you know, Rivers in this offense since 2013 is pretty much what he alludes to, which I found interesting that once Reich left, you know, Reich got fired with the Ken Wisenhunt regime there in um, 2015. That offense pretty much stayed in San Diego, moved to L.A. as well. So the familiarity will be huge. Um, I tried to go back and look up you know, Philip Rivers' career numbers, the three seasons he played under Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni was his position coach for two of those years. And I, I don't want to get caught up in the historic numbers too, too much because I think when you have a player as old as Philip Rivers, and while he's been durable, you can't ignore the age. I think it's difficult to even look at five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, and think that blanket is going to all of a sudden appear again here in 2020. You know, not only is he different environments, different personnel, all those things, Philip Rivers is just older. But the one stat that I thought was the most consistent, easily the most consistent, and the byproduct is, is, is the best aspect, was his completion percentage was very, very high. They were the first third and fourth ranked seasons of his career in completion percentage. So I think that is a great, great, you know, attribute that if, again, they can replicate that much later, uh, that's exactly what they'll be looking for. Now the yards per attempt number and the quarterback rating number did dip a little bit um, in those final two years. Uh, which were the two years that, that, that Reich was the offensive coordinator. So, you know, that is, I guess, something to to keep an eye on. But um, it is something to where you look back at those numbers and say, all right, there's some things you can take away from there. There's some things that you can't. But when I look at Rivers, I'm also thinking to myself, like, okay, is this a bit like Adam Vinatieri's situation? Um, you know, 
he, he can't go off of 10, 12 years ago or five, seven years ago. Now, Vinatieri, the injuries played into it this season, but that would be the concern with Rivers is just um, have you gotten to the point now where it's, all right, I know you guys probably hate my golf references, but he's walking up that 18th hole. He's walking up that 18th hole. All right. DeForest Buckner, man, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love his character. You're gonna love um just his mindset. Just posted something on 1075thefan.com about him facing Quentin Nelson every day in practice. And you know, I thought back to some of those Chris Ballard quotes about Buckner said something to the effect of like, I might piss people off in practice, but that's just how I go about my craft. And, you know, Ballard and again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but you know, he felt like when the team got to five and two, they became a momentum football team, and that the week to week process got away from them. Whatever, reading press clippings, things like that. And I just think Buckner, from two and fourteen to a Super Bowl appearance, he will help them stay a little bit more grounded and kind of raise the bar. I, I felt like the defense didn't have enough guys that are at that standard that you want to be at certainly on Sundays, but also I think just from a combination of how you work Monday through Saturday and then how you play on Sundays as well. Um, But, you know, going back to his character, I think that, you know, obviously he's an all pro talent, but Chris Bauer is not trading the 13th overall pick just for all pros. Like you have to be more than that. Antonio Brown's an all pro. Chris Bauer ain't trading 13 overall for him. Hell, he probably ain't trading 130 overall for him. So that box is checked in Chris Bowler's eyes. The guy just gets it. Plays with great leverage, man. I've, I've been watching more, more on him. His length, you know, he doesn't have this quick burst off the ball, but 6'7", 300 with that length. Whew. That is menacing. All right, before we get into Twitter questions, let's touch briefly on the Tom Brady news. Uh, Again, Peter King had this in his Football Morning in America column yesterday. Um, Pretty much said that the Brady camp was interested in Indianapolis, but the Colts wanted Rivers on a shorter-term deal. So just contract um, numbers. Brady got $25 million, which what Rivers got – um, here in India as well, but Brady got one more year in Tampa. So two years, 50 million, whereas Rivers was only one year, 25. And, and I, I can see that. I think in a vacuum, I, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with me on this, but if I'm going to win one game tomorrow, or hell, even if I'm going to play maybe the 2020 season, I might take Brady over Rivers. I think I would take Brady. Over over Rivers, um, I think Brady still has a little. Even though he's three or four years older, I think he's got more currently in the tank as a quarterback than Rivers. Do I think it's drastically more? No, but if you have to commit to one of these quarterbacks for two or three years, ooh, no, 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 that's where I run. And this gets back to what I said on last week's podcast. The fact that the Colts are only giving Phillip Rivers a one-year deal, that is huge. I love that. There's no guarantee that these guys can necessarily still play at a 
all pro pro bowl level. Both of their franchises, New England and the Chargers. They said enough is enough without any young top whatever 25 pick in waiting quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is a journeyman and Jared Stidham was a third round pick. Again, there was no Mahomes, there was no Lamar Jackson, there was nothing waiting there. So that's the concern. But again, the fact that the Colts don't want to be tied to an aging QB for longer than one year, that is huge in my mind. And the fact that Anthony Costanza is getting two years and Philip Rivers is only getting one, that is a win. That is an absolute win. I think Ballard realizes that he's got to start thinking long-term. And I feel like when, when, when people see the one-year deal, they're like, oh, duh, Ballard's going to draft a quarterback you know, in the first few rounds. And while I think that is the wise move, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Not as much of a slam dunk as I think, it, again, it should be, or I thought it was going to be, you know, obviously before the river signing happened. But look at it now. If you really believe Jacoby is going to be your backup in 2020, you know, a Rivers Brissett second or third round quarterback, that's one of your more invested quarterback rooms you're ever going to find in the NFL. So, um, you know, I, I think 2021 is definitely a real play. But then if you do that, of course, all right, is that guy going to come in here and start from day one? Are you delaying some of that development for the young quarterback as well. So I Brady having interest here is interesting. Obviously the offensive line, but I mean, hell, if Brady was bitching about his skill guys in New England, what the, I mean, I mean, I guess he's got a little better skill talent here in Indy, but not much. So yeah, I'm not, um, I think what the Colts felt like is they just they want the shorter term deal more than the two or three year commitment to Brady. That's the first thing. And then I also think they believe that uh that Rivers is probably a better internal fit for what they're trying to do. But I'm curious Ursay's thoughts on all this. <laughs> Part of me thinks Ursay could be like Brady. Woo-hoo. I think I I think Ursay could have could have been talked into that one. Which some fans are probably like, oh my god, Tom Brady, bah, yeah, shut up. Brady or Rivers wears your jersey, you're going to cheer for him. Oh, Phillip Rivers flipped off. Uh, he talked to the fans bad 12 years ago. Who cares? He's a competitor. You want him on your team, people. You want that fire. I don't know if you want him necessarily, but you want fire. You want passion. And I And I love that. All right, Twitter time, Twitter question time. Appreciate all of you sending in these questions again. Um, as of now, this might be the only podcast of the week, although I feel like you guys are crazy. I had one person ask me if we, we if I could do a podcast every day. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I think my throat would fall out. Lord knows I, I can babble, but I don't know if I can babble that much. But if the Colts do something of note, um, then that's something that I think we will uh, we might get back to. 
All right, first one here from Primus. Phil Rivers throws a good amount of 50-50 jump balls. He had Mike Williams to win those. How will this impact the Colts' free agent draft strategy? Do you think they will re-sign Funches, or do they draft a wideout like? Um, Mims from Baylor, Chase Claypool, uh, Michael Pittman from USC. Thanks for the diversion. Primus, thank you for chiming in. Um, great question. Great question, folks. And I will harp on this a lot the rest of the offseason. Phil Rivers especially last season, but in years prior, he has lived really off bigger body targets. The Colts have not been an offense that has relied on that really at all. I mean, Reggie Wayne is not a bigger body guy. Marvin Harrison is not a bigger body guy. Certainly T.Y. Hilton is not either. You know, even Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is 6'3 over 200. Mike Williams, of course, is big and plays big. But, you know, find me the last time you felt like the Colts had a wideout that in-game would go up and routinely just pluck balls out of the air. Years. Years. And if you look at his current roster, Zach Paschal is about the only one over six foot. That's notable. So I think that is an absolute must. Um, I still think Funch is a possibility. You know, maybe some of this healing from the collarbone, he wants it to play out a little bit longer, see what the market is. But I think a bigger body guy, and I know this differs a little bit from what I said earlier in the offseason, but now that I know Rivers is your quarterback, that helps me get a clearer picture of, okay, what do you need around him? And I think you need a bigger body element to this wideout group. Certainly need a guy who can make some yards after catch. But you watched some of those Rivers throws last year. I mean, it looks like me in the backyard with some of my boys growing up just playing 500, just throwing it up in the air and saying, all right, who's hit puberty the earliest and can outmuscle people for the ball? That's almost what it feels like at times when you, rock, when, when you watch Rivers last year. Mike Williams, dude, that man is a he's, a, he's a stud. You saw him, he's a top 10 pick. All right, Craig, love the pod. Thanks for continuing to do them during this trying time. Question, what's more likely, draft a cornerback in round two or get a free agent signing at corner? Thank you, Craig. Um, I lean towards veteran. I do. And and I say what I lean towards more is, again, the longer outside corner. That's kind of, and so that's why I look at Logan Ryan. I'm like, man, that's a lot of money to spend for more of a slot guy when you believe Kenny Moore is the best slot in the NFL. You know, that that fit doesn't necessarily add up. Now, Kenny Moore has proven himself that he can be a capable outside corner, but again, you gotta think of go back to what Boward says about we we have a value on guys for our system. We define that value. And we go from there. But I just think a longer veteran corner, hell, Pierre Desir, would be someone that would make a lot of sense. All right, Drew, do you think that River saying he considered retirement worries the Colts and that's why they are keeping Jacoby? I remember not too long ago we had a quarterback that considered retirement and acted on it. Well, Drew... Referencing one, Andrew Luck. How about Andrew Luck reading to his daughter, Lucy? You guys see that? Children's Museum posted that video. 
cute little video of Andrew reading to, uh, I'm sure our, our guy Joey Molinaro has to be, I, I got to text Joey about that video. He had to be all about that. Um, all right, Drew Rivers considering retirement. You know, I think Philip Rivers explained it really well about the Chargers say that they're done with him. So it's the first time in the, the history of his football life that he hasn't known the situation he's going to be in. So I think his family, boom, they move all 11 of them. They move from San Diego to Northwest Florida. They sit down. He gets his older kids. He's got, hell, he's got nine of them. Some of the younger ones can't really comprehend what's going on. The older ones, though, they, they can. I believe his daughter's going to be a freshman in college. He's got a son that's going to be a sixth grader. That's the oldest son. A few more daughters. I think he's got a lot of, lot of girls. I want to say seven of the nine are girls. So he gets everybody in a room, and he's like, all right, what do you think? What? And they put every little scenario on the table. And I think deep down, he, the, the, the passion by no means has left him. And the health speaks for itself. You know, luck was an injury situation. While it wasn't a severe injury situation, it was an injury that caused him mentally to be a different guy. We aren't there with Rivers. And look, this is this is a one year thing. One year, twenty five million. Just, just, I mean, just play. I, I know it, people want to be like, well, like, that sounds like Andrew Luck. No, this is not the same thing. You know, Rivers has said that he's got fan. I believe he grew up in northern Alabama. I think his wife, he said, grew up just south of Nashville. So that's a, a relatively easy drive, all things considered, five or six hours to watch him play. Obviously, Jacksonville is close. You know, Tennessee's close. You know, some of those road games aren't too bad as well. Um, and I, honestly, I just think keeping Jacoby, it goes back to, they still think something of Jacoby. They don't think he can be a starter anymore, which is the smart decision, but they still think like he's a quality backup, which I totally understand. I, I think Jacoby Brissett's a very, very quality backup. Hell, I I've even said that I think he can start for a you know handful of teams in the league. You just got to know what you're getting with that. But at, at that price tag, that's where I kind of, I kind of take a pause. Gary wants to touch on corner as well. Um, Marvell Tell and Rocky Seen, do you anticipate a free agent ad? Pierre, not worth the value. When healthy, I thought he was pretty effective. Color me confused. Greatest Colts pod, not even close. I appreciate that, Gary. It means a lot. You've always been a loyal, loyal follower. Uh, you know, I was confused as well. I, I was confused because, again, Pierre is a different corner than what you have with Kenny Moore from a, a style. And then he's different from Rocky Yassine and Marvell Tell and that he's proven himself when healthy. And I just thought if he got the hamstring healthy, $6 million is not the end of the world. So I think it's a couple things. It is a little bit of a monetary move, but it's also just a lot of trust in Rocky Yassine and Marvell Tell. A whole lot of trust in them. But veteran corner is the route that I kind of like you know I, I won't hate it in the draft but you know I, I thought um Jonathan Gannon you know Colts defensive backs coach I mean he, he mentioned it earlier in the offseason still talking about how Pierre is kind of the ideal Let's see if I can find that quote um as far as the ability, what I look for and what the staff looks for, he has it all. 
That's Jonathan Gannon, the Colts cornerbacks coach, about Pierre Desir after the season ends. So this was no slam dunk, and I think there's a lot to like about Pierre Desir, but you know, I guess they just felt felt the need to kind of move on. And I remember Gannon also talking about how Rocky seen, you know, in, in college he plays with man coverage eyes. It was so much of on an island sort of thing. Well, now your eyes got to play a little bit differently in the NFL. We saw ups and downs. Well, you know, we saw Marvell Tell make a position switch, and he doesn't get in the lineup until about October or so. And then still didn't play a whole lot consistently the rest of the year. So that's where I just look at corner and think, man, that's kind of skyrocketed up that, that needs list. All right, David, running back comparison of how Mack and Hines could function along Rivers in the Sproles-Eckler role. Great question, David. That's me saying that, not David writing that in. It's a little harder with um, one person talking. I hope I'm not boring you. I hope the sound quality is still good. Got some people working on the bathroom upstairs, but I don't think they're too loud today. I thought about doing dueling mics, but I don't really know how to work it. And But I know some of you have enjoyed when my wife's been on the podcast before. So if this quarantine continues to last, we'll see if I can figure that out. We can get a little multiple voices here for uh, your guys' sanity. All right. Um, I think Naeem Hines and Paris Campbell are the two biggest beneficiaries of this move on the Colts offense than anybody. Phillip Rivers' quick rhythm. Gets the ball out. I want to say it was like fifth or sixth fastest in the NFL last year. I want to say Brissett was like 38th fastest. So you think quick rhythm and think yards after catch. Again, I'm working on a piece that I'll post a little bit later, but I want to say the Colts were 26th in the NFL in yards after catch last year. The Chargers were 4th. Opportunities to make plays with the ball in your hands. Naeem Hines, fastest 40-yard dash of any running back at the Combine two years ago. Harris Campbell, fastest of any offensive player at the Combine last year. Hello, tap into that. Neither of those guys offensively have made the big chunk plays. Some people might be like, well, Hines did on special teams. Again, offensively, I've, I've looked at all the numbers. They have not made the big plays. I look at Hines, and I think Danny Woodhead, I think Sproles, I think Austin Eckler. I I do. I think a lot of that. I think that's going to be a huge element of his offense, and it's a necessary element, especially if you don't have some of those big-body wideouts. Ben, I've been a follower since the Colts.com days and love the work that you put in. A free agent that I haven't heard being talked about much is Xavier Rhodes with the release of the Seer cornerback as a need and always was, in my opinion. Your thoughts on Rhodes being a reasonable price considering he's had a couple of down years as of late. Ben, appreciate that. Yeah, Rhodes, you know, kicked the tires a little bit. You know me. You you guys know how I think. Former first-round picks. I'm all for it. Hell, maybe Ryan Grigson should have drafted Xavier Rhodes over Bjorn Werner back in 2013. But... Trade for Vontae Davis, maybe didn't need it. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins would have been the better pick in 2013. Um, yeah, I kick the tires. Bigger body guy. I know he struggled late last year. Jonathan Gannon, the cornerbacks coach, was in Minnesota, I think. Um, I think those, yeah, those guys overlapped there. 
So there's some familiarity, I think, with, with the person. But there are a few of the Rhodes type of corners on the open market. Um, so, yeah. I would kick the tires. Cody Felger. So, obviously, years ago, Eric Flowers didn't work out for the Giants, but moved to guard and made a huge leap with Washington. What if the Colts tried something like that with Clark? He's got the size to handle those bigger defensive tackles. Fair question, Cody. But right now, you need more tackles and guards. I, I think a guard in, in Eldrin Camp and Patterson, it's at least a couple of... Okay. You got a couple guys. A tackle, I don't know if he got those guys. And I just think, I think Clark, I mean, he's barely done anything in guard. And I just think he means a little bit more to you outside at um, outside of tackle. And, and you got to go out and find, find other tackles. I mean, drafting a tackle in round four, round three, I, I don't think it's the craziest idea in the world. Wakes by KKB with the NFL giving out free access to NFL Game Pass. What are two of the best games and two just great games from the past 10 years everyone should rewatch outside of the Super Bowl? NFL Game Pass is awesome. It is. Um, yeah, I, I, should, I should tap into that. I've been watching... Um, my wife um, had a, uh, a free seven-day trial she got for um, Apple TV. We just wrapped up... Um, what was, it, what was it called? The, the 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 morning show. My wife's in the basement um, working. We're 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 social distancing though. Um, so no no fear on that. The morning show it was great. Um, you guys know full well that I know about as much about Netflix as you know a dog. But um, I watched it. It was good. Jennifer Aniston. Um, who else? Steve Carell. Reese Witherspoon. It was good. Solid. But yeah, NFL Game Pass. Okay, two best Colts games last 10 years. Whew. I'm a sucker for Colts-Packers. I love that storyline. 2012 Orange Glove game, Reggie Wayne. I love that. Love that. Colts-Chiefs playoff game. That's probably easy, though. Those are easy picks for me. Um, NFL games. Oh, boy. Well, I love the shootout. I, I like shootouts. And when I think of it, I think of Chiefs-Rams Monday night from, what, two years ago? Mahomes-Goff. And then um, I'll dial it back. This might be outside of a decade ago, but I don't know if NFL Game Pass goes back this far. Hopefully it will. 2009 season, do they go back that far? Uh, Packers-Cardinals wild card game. 50, what was it, 51-45? Was it Palmer? Was it Palmer and, and Rodgers? I think so. don't think Warner was still around then. But uh, maybe it was Warner. 51-45. That was, a, that was a shootout. So, yeah, give me that. Mitch, are there any players in sports you wouldn't want on your team, no matter how good they are? I've spent the last decade or so actively disliking Phillip Rivers. I've been spoiled by classy quarterback play in Indy. River seems like a completely different kind of guy. I'm going to have a hard time rooting for him. Mitch, not holding back there. I mean, unless you're a criminal or a cheater, I'm probably going to cheer for you. If you're on my team. I mean, certainly I'm going to like guys more than others. But, again, I mean, unless you've 
killed people or have just blatantly cheated, I'm probably going to like you. And, and I don't... Okay, Rivers talked to some fans. I don't... He plays the game. I, I, I Maybe I'm seeing it differently. I, I love the passion, the fire he plays with. I'm a passionate human being about a lot of things, and I love when people are passionate. I, I love it. I just think that energy is just awesome. It's awesome to watch. And I think Rivers is that. I really do. It might come off as whiny and things like that, but, you know, I, like, I, I, I think back to week one this year when, was it Mathis? I think Mathis said something to him on the sideline, or he saw Mathis on the sideline when he, you know, was scrambling on a play or whatever, and those two started chirping back and forth. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Two competitors, I, I just love it. I love it. And, and I encourage people, listen to the Philip Rivers interview with, with JMV. Go to 1075thefan.com. It, it's up there. Uh, download JMV's podcast. It's up there. I I, I don't think people are going to. I don't think. I mean, Rivers speaks glowingly of Indianapolis. He said he always just thought the crowd was awesome how like professional they were and how they understood the game so well and didn't talk when Peyton was out there and Rivers' favorite movies, Hoosiers, like I talked about earlier. And he'd yell, Hickory! When he'd run off the field. And I love it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's awesome. All right, Fish. Fish, what do you think? Uh, who do you think some of the under-the-radar contract extensions for the Colts could be? Boy, fish! I don't have a great answer for that. I mean, Ryan Kelly I, is that under the radar? I mean, it doesn't sound like Marlon Max getting one th- this offseason, based off Ursay's comments. What about Malik Hooker? I don't think so. I think I think he needs to prove it. Maybe Hilton, maybe Anthony Walker, but again, I, those guys aren't slam dunks. I don't have a, I, I don't know. I don't think there's like an obvious Kenny Moore sort of contract extension. Um, from guys that aren't unrestricted free agents right now. All right, David asks, what's the importance of NFL teams getting bridge quarterbacks? Do they believe they have a contending team with a veteran, or is it more for mentoring a younger future QB? And and is the major expense of $25 million worth it? Keep the grind, love the pop. David, simply put, I think it's just trying to win in the short term. Oh, wow, Panthers going to release Cam Newton. That's big news. That's huge news. Um, okay, so, I, again, I just think it's win now. I mean, Jim Irsay, think about Jim Irsay's time as an owner. Jim Irsay, um, his father dies, I think, in 97. So Irsay takes over then as the owner. And as we sit here now, nearly what, 20, what's that, 97, 23 years into it, something like that, Ursay has never experienced these last four or five years. I guess five years. So if you go off the last five years, they've made the playoffs once and they've won one game in the playoffs. So Ursay has never, never gone down this path as the owner. And so I think the Colts looked at it internally and they're like, all right, we know the long-term view has got to be addressed at some point. 
But if we can try and win in the short term, improve our team in the short term, let's try and do that. And that's what they're attempting to do. Now, a long-term question to me is still is still there. I mean, it's obvious. It's huge. What is the long-term answer at quarterback? And that answer, we'll see what happens in less than a month. I'm so happy the draft is less than a month away. I just love saying that. April 23rd, folks, it starts. And, you know, the mentoring is nice for sure. I think that's part of it. But winning in the short term, I think, is especially with this current situation, means a lot. Jay asked a great question. You've talked about Jordan Love having never set protections as a quarterback before. Are there any QBs in the draft that you know have done it? So, Jay, I didn't obviously get a chance to talk or, or, or look into maybe all the quarterbacks of the combine, but there were definitely, I'd say, at least a handful that have done more at the line of scrimmage than Love. Joe Burrow being one of them. I know from, um, I think Anthony Gordon did a little bit in his one year at Washington State. Uh, Justin Herbert. Um, I think Nate Stanley at Iowa. And um, I think the kid from uh, Hawaii, the McDonald kid. So I, I, I do think there are, you know, whatever, half dozen quarterbacks that have done that. Um and again, it'll be, is that a developmental trait? Is it not a developmental trait? That's that's a debate Frank Reich and them have to have internally if they're going to spend one of their draft picks on that guy. Zach, had a question about quarterback of the future. While I'm satisfied getting Rivers for one year and possibly the best defensive tackle not named Aaron Donald, I don't believe you draft your franchise quarterback unless you're willing to take him top 10 or 15. Guys like Wilson or, or Brady are the exception, not the rule. I really don't like the idea of drafting a quarterback late to develop because there are reasons they fall. Unless it's a sexy pick like Jalen Hurts, but I still don't think that would pan out. Yeah, I think it's a very fair question, Zach, and I probably fall more in line with your thinking. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I think the dart analogy is something to look into as well. You know, when, when I talk about it, I will, I, in an ideal world, I'm throwing the highest quality darts. And I think you have that opportunity this year. That opportunity really is no longer there. Maybe you trade up, who knows. But still, you probably aren't going all the way to the top 10. So now I look at it and think to myself, you can throw a dart this year. And even if that dart misses, let's say you draft whoever. Jalen Hurts in the third round. Whatever and that dart misses from a starting quarterback, that dart can still be your backup quarterback for at least four years, maybe even a little bit longer. So I, I think that's what I look at of like, all right, that's how I would try and approach things right now. I, I'm still drafting a quarterback. Even if you don't think that quarterback can be your longtime franchise slam dunk if you believe that can be a quality backup I still think there's some benefit there to that and if there's an ounce of you that thinks they could be you know Russell Wilson or whatever uh, Kirk Cousins or trying to get other these kind of third or fourth round quarterbacks that turned Dak Dak Prescott you know those guys if you think there's an ounce of that that to me is intriguing and it allows Frank Reich and the staff to tap into that sort of development All right, I got 10 minutes left. Cannot go any over. 
Uh, my wife's got a call at 11, and uh, I've already talked for an hour and three minutes, which is just absurd. Okay, Paul, how does signing a guy who trash talks opponents, flips the bird to the opposing sideline, and gets in shouting matches with fans jive with Ballard's claim to only want high-character guys on the roster? Paul! Oh, boy. That's no Philip Rivers fan. Well, remember, Chris Ballard said at the Combine, he's moved away from the old, uh, feels like this locker room is able to take on a guy that maybe doesn't check all the character boxes. And, and let's be honest here. When, when, um, when Ballard talks about that, I think he more means so like behaving off the field in the sense of like, again, criminal activity and, um, you know, like, like, uh, whatever those sorts of things. I think Philip Rivers from a preparation practice leadership standpoint, he, he checks every single high character box. And I know he's jibed with fans and whatever, but I mean, hell, he's had the Colts number. Six and two all time against the Colts. That's crazy. Two and oh in the playoffs. And hell, that was 12 years ago. Rivers yelling at fans. What was he, 26 then? I think he matured a little bit. Pete King wants to know my honest opinion on Jalen Hurts. Uh, he, he really likes him. The more I look into him, uh, da 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 da. Uh, the more I look into him, the more I'm starting to like him as a franchise QB in the future. And the fact we get him in the second or third rounds. Once again, love the show. And I miss Joey already, as I'm sure you do. Ooh, I certainly miss Joey. But hell, <laughs> Joey's doing much better things with a barstool. Um, you know, Hurts, I don't, he's kind of met in the big games. Full transparency. Um, I think we bet on him in the semifinal game and he was terrible. And that really pissed me off. <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, I, I just think he's struggled in some of the big games. Does he abandon the pocket a little bit too much? Um, he re- Late in the season, I feel like he became much more of the running quarterback first. I just didn't love that that approach from him. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I know with the second round, third round, it's not perfect. And maybe you let Hurts sit for a couple years, and that can change some of that mindset. All right, about a handful more here. Carter, my question is, are we not giving Bauer enough credit for how he built this roster and how it's built for the long term? I think with the Philip Rivers signing, he pushes back a year for when you need to draft a QB so that we can draft a rookie when the players that we drafted three years ago need to get paid a lot of money. This way, we'll still be good on cap for maybe about six years if we draft a quarterback in the first round next year and we pick up that first round option. Let me know what you think. Well, I, I certainly hear you out from a cap situation standpoint. Yeah, I don't think the Colts are in an awful cap situation at all, really, moving forward. You know, Rivers comes off the books, and, you know, like you said, seemingly your next quarterback will be on a rookie deal. But I, I don't agree with built for the long term because there's no quarterback in place past 2020. And, and that's why I will never look at this offseason and think big picture and grade it with an A. Now, maybe that changes during the draft, but as of right now, March 24th, I don't think the answer for a long-term quarterback is still a legit, legit possibility. The draft could change that, but if it doesn't, then you know that could that could change some things. But again, when no quarterback is either under contract past 2020, I just 
I just can't agree with the built for the long term. Nice cap situation, yes, but long term quarterback answer, no. Gangster Frank Reich, is it possible that Ballard has a better idea than anyone of the quarterbacks in this draft? He talks Herbert and Love um, will actually fall further into the first round than anyone currently expects, and that the Colts may still trade up in the first round like one of them. Certainly a possibility, but again, that, that's just a risk, and, and that's quite a risk. I don't think there's a guarantee that if one of those guys gets to 20, that's a win. And then you could have someone else trade up. Like 34 to 20 is a big jump. You have no idea which team is going to see one of those guys fall and start to say, oh boy, we never thought this would happen. Let's move up. So maybe one of them does fall big time. But again, it's just a risk that if you're thinking long-term quarterback answer, I don't want to take. Nick says, hey, Kevin, thanks for getting us through the quarantine. Do we still trust Ballard? I mean, 24 million, 25 million seems a bit steep for Rivers. Again, you know, it, it to me, the one-year deal is is okay. And, and we won't know the full ramifications of this move until several years down the road. I mean, we're, we'll know it for 2020. If you go 7, 9, 8, and 8, it's a waste of $25 million. But the ramifications down the road of, okay, what does Jordan Love look like in 5 or 10 years? What does Justin Herbert look like? You know, those sorts of things we won't know. Um, but I... I'm not going to fault Ballard really too much for this. I mean, $25 million, that's kind of the price of the quarterback market, really. And again, one year. That, that's fine. It's not, it's not clogging up your books past that. Kyle, hey, Kevin, do you have any insight on the Colts logo uniform change? How about that? Um, what was Ursay's tweet earlier today? That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was Pete Ward t- tweeting that or who, who it was, but that was hilarious. Basically, it was a jersey of uh, these Colts uniforms, white top, blue pants, some a, a lot of heavy white trim all over it, different looking helmet with a white stripe down the middle, blue helmet. I actually kind of like him for a game. But uh, Ursay re- retweeted it, Russian troll bots, question mark, question mark. That was good. I like that. Um, the Colts have always said staunch in their tradition and they won't change. I don't know. I don't know the validity of that report. I saw me personally. I like one alternate uniform a year, one game, one game, do something different. One game a year. I'm fine with that. It's interesting to me how people are so obsessed with the Colts jerseys. I guess I just never have looked at them with this like sacred tradition, like other teams around the NFL, but. Fine by me. All right, last one here, Alejandro. Hey, Kevin, after the Colts move, I get to feel the Colts are in the win-now mode. That being said, wide receiver becomes number need, number one need. But do you see Ballard going wide out at 34 and quarterback at 44 or the other way around? Feeling QB is still a major need. Never miss the podcast all the way from Mexico. Alejandro, we appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Um, again, in a perfect world, I think you would go wide out quarterback there. I, I might flip it quarterback first, wide out second with those two second-round picks, but I'm not sold on Ballard going that route. Not 100% sold on it. You know, last year, did we expect Corner to be the first pick? I don't think so. So, again, it, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, but those are huge needs. I mean, right now, as we sit here again, morning of March 24th, no moves really since uh, re-signing LaRaven Clark over the weekend. 
I look at wideout as the biggest need. I think look at offensive line depth right there. I throw, again, we're putting long-term quarterback to the side. I throw quarterback somewhere onto that, um, cornerback, excuse me, onto that list. I, I throw tight end. Tight end still is a definite need for me as well. Um, moving on. All right, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. Again, 107.5 The Fan. We have a lot of written coverage throughout all this. Um, I encourage you to check that out. And uh, hopefully that will get you through this crazy time in our world. Stay safe. Stay sane. Um, hope all of you are able to find a little bit of break from this reality and have enjoyed um, the content that we're producing. So uh, unless something else notable happens the rest of the week, we'll talk to you um, probably next Tuesday here on Kevin's Corner. Stay safe, everybody.